to the second season of Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking to, to successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they for girls of my age. Today my guest is Kate Day, who is the executive editor of Politico Europe. Kate has worked in California, India and Bangladesh and was the Telegraph's first social media editor. Thanks for joining me today, Kate. Can we start by you telling us how your career took you to media and journalism? Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real honour. So my career started, I guess, fairly accidentally. I've long been interested in media and as a child I really loved reading newspapers but I don't think I ever really thought about what I was going to do and whether I was going to be a journalist until actually much later Um, when I left university I didn't have a clear sense of what I wanted to do and I started thinking about some work experience and I went to my local paper and did a week there and really loved it and my journalism career has really grown from that I enjoyed it I followed types of story and types of journalism that I was interested in and I've built one experience to the next so I didn't really have a grand plan I guess. I read you went to both City and Oxford University how important do you think actually is to go to university though? That's a really good question Um, and I think it very much depends on an individual and on what you want to learn and what you want to do in your life. Um, I had a great time at both, so I definitely wouldn't say don't go to university. Uh, if you think it's something for you and you really want to go, I think that's great. But I also would say that I think you can learn quite a lot that's useful in your future career in other ways as well. And there are other routes in. What university does is open doors for you to get to the next stage. So just as your GCSE results make it easier to get a place at a college or in a sixth form in a school to read the A-levels you want to study and your A-level results open the door to university. University undoubtedly opens the door for some jobs, um, but that door can open anyway. Sometimes it's a bit harder. I think people are starting to be more open to different routes in, um, and certainly I think they should be. I see lots of job applicants now and Most of them have university degrees, but I certainly wouldn't rule somebody out because they didn't. Um, But I think it can make it easier to just open that door and people almost ask fewer questions about your route through because that still is a more typical route into lots of professions. Now, I'm very sure that you have written more articles and more words that I've ever spoken. Which of your articles do you think has made the biggest impact? That's a really good question. So I've actually written less than you might imagine. Um, Most of my career in journalism has been editing uh, and been thinking about how to maximise the impact of other people's work. Uh, I think the product, though, that I've been most involved with that's had the biggest impact is Politico's morning newsletter, London Playbook. Uh, So we launched that back in 2017, um, and that rounds up the political day or looks ahead to the political day for people who are really obsessed with Westminster. 
Um, and we felt there was a bit of a gap in the market between the mainstream media that gives quite a general take on what's going on in politics and everybody who works in politics who really know what happens behind the scenes. And we thought a morning newsletter that was a bit more of a lifting the curtain to look behind the scenes of British politics would do really well. Um, and happily, it, it's done pretty well. And it has quite a big impact. We know the prime minister reads it. We know the Labour leader reads it, Keir Starmer. Um, so we, we're pretty satisfied that reaches some significant people and has made quite a big impact on British politics. Well, it definitely sounds it has when you've got Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson reading it. Yeah, that's always satisfying when you know that your readers are, are themselves the people making decisions and the ones yeah. in power. Well, obviously, we've all been hit by COVID. How have you had to deal with the COVID-19 issues and what changes made your work and life balance as we come out of it? That's a really great question. So in the short term, I guess I was hit in much the same ways as other people. Um, so we were working from home as soon as lockdown first started. Uh, I also have a toddler. He was just one when lockdown hit and suddenly we had no childcare. So that was a bit of a juggling act, trying to look after him and also trying to uh, trying to manage my team. Um, I guess the other thing that's really occupying a lot of my attention now is how moving out of this, we support people. Um, some people are desperate to get back to the office. Some people are worried about their own health or about the health of those around them and are less keen to mix. Some people have a very short commute like me. I get on my bike and cycle 20 minutes to the office. Other people have to spend a lot of time on trains. So balancing all these different situations amongst everybody in the team um, while trying to keep communication as good as possible. Uh, so, yeah, we're doing a mixture of working in the office and working at home, trying to be flexible and adapt to different people's different situations. Um, but I definitely miss some of the face to face interaction, particularly when you're working on stories with someone. Nothing beats being able to sit down next to someone and really talk it through. Um, so we're finding ways to try and replicate that or, you know, manage that as best as we can. And I'm coming back into the office much more frequently partly as I said because I have such a short commute so it's pretty safe for me to be able to come in and sit in our not terribly populated office um, and do my job from here. Now I'm sure that lots of girls are thinking about their careers and their future what advice would you give to girls when they start to think about it? That's a great question well I guess one of the things is to recognize that in whatever you do, it's going to take you down a path of learning. And I think if you think about what you want to learn as opposed to what you want to achieve, that can sometimes be a more satisfying way to get there. Um, some people have really big dreams of what they want to achieve. And I think that's great. And they should feel really confident in that and go for it. Uh, but sometimes if you're like me and you don't have a grand plan for how you wanted your life to pan out and you yeah. didn't have a really clear career in mind, thinking about the types of thing you want to learn and the types of people you want to learn from can be another way of starting to think about what you might want to do in your life. And I found that personally was a much more uh 
achievable, accessible way in for me than to, to sort of dream big. Um, though I, yeah, you need to balance that ambition, confidence to go for things uh, with a sense of the steps you're going to go through to get there. But if you haven't got it all figured out, that's yeah. fine. Um, I think lots of people and especially girls sometimes think they need to have figured out more than they actually do. You can just go ahead and try things and learn from the next job and the next job and the next job. Um, and most people are muddling through like that, just like you are. Now, I'm not sure how big it is, but one of the big subjects at the moment on the news, uh, I would think, is climate change. And obviously, millions of different newspapers, millions and millions and millions go out to the UK and obviously across the world. Uh, they're all made of paper. Do you think that newspapers should go to to switch to on to online newspapers because of the impact that it, that it you know, gives? That's a really great question. I think it's certainly something newspapers should think about. I mean, partly newspapers are switching to digital because their readers are switching to digital. So yeah. part of that trend is happening naturally. Far fewer papers are sold nowadays than they would have been when I started as a journalist. Um, but I think there's undoubtedly things the newspaper industry can do to make themselves as green as possible to think about how to make their products sustainably i mean obviously digital products bring their own issues in terms of consuming resources on the planet um but yeah there's a there's undoubtedly a huge amount of paper that goes into the news industry yeah. which of course can be recycled yeah um but yeah i think this is certainly something all of us whether we're in the news industry or in other industries we're going to have to start thinking about the full impact of our products rather than just what happens to them at the end of their life. Well, when we look at social media, which I know plays a huge part in your job, you know, as the first social media editor of the of the Telegraph, but, um, and all of our lives since COVID and probably before that, what advice would you give girls, say, about my age on how to use it and maybe not use it? That's also a really good question. I think... One thing I would always try and keep in mind, I always try and keep in mind myself and I would encourage other people to as well, is that everything you share digitally, even if it feels as though you're only sharing it with one other person or a small group of people, it can be shared much more widely. Um, so somebody can take a picture of your WhatsApp conversations and then send them on to lots of other people. Obviously, you would hope that most of your friends wouldn't do that. But I think it's always wise to just bear in mind that once you put something down in written form or an image in, in a, there's a digital record of it. Somebody could use that in yeah. a context you didn't intend. Um, and I think some of the ways that people have been caught out on social media is when they assume their message is only going to one or two people and it's actually going much more widely. So that's one lesson I'd think about. Um, another would be to to think just as you would in interacting with people in the real world, um, to think quite carefully about how your messaging feels to the person receiving it. So I think often all of us can be guilty of a throwaway comment which when you type it 
on Twitter or on Facebook or on WhatsApp or on to put a video on TikTok, it feels disposable. Actually, to the person at the other end of that, it might not feel like that. And I think that's worth always keeping in mind um, that you're you're dealing with people just as you are in the real world. And that sounds very obvious. And I'm sure everybody you know listening to this podcast will know that. But I think it's worth reminding yourself all the time because it is easy to forget when you're communicating through a phone or down a screen. Have you had any uh, mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire? Oh, that's interesting point. Several mentors, certainly. And some people who are sort of formal mentors, I guess, or have asked specifically for advice about my career. And then other people who I've just learned a huge amount from. So almost every other senior editor I've worked with, I've learned things from. And in fact, lots of much more junior people, too. Um, in terms of mentors, there have been a few people who I'm forever grateful. They've taken a bit of time out of their career to sit down and talk to me about what I do next. Uh, and I would really encourage everybody to find those people um, and to, to also to the second part of your question, also find some people who inspire them. So for me, some of those people have been journalists or obviously big name political journalists who I think are terrific and write really fantastic stuff. And I would love to be like them or write like them. There are also people in other industries. So there's a photographer called Helen Levitt who writes back in the 50s was taking pictures in colour. She was one of the very early uh, photographers to experiment with colour. And what I really loved about her work is she engages with how colour changes images, but without making that the subject of her picture. So she took lots of pictures in New York of children playing in the streets and things. Um, and she really experimented with how you could use colour to communicate yeah. But her work is about the work as a standalone thing. The picture is of children playing in, in the street. And I think that's that's really interesting how you use technology in a new way. But you don't make what you're trying to say explicitly about the technology. You make it yeah. about the children playing in the street or whatever your your story is you're trying to tell. So I found her very inspiring as a as a sort of pioneer of new technology and storytelling in a different way. But obviously, she doing that through pictures rather than through journalism no well you're right that definitely sounds quite interesting and maybe hard to do when different people portray it differently yeah exactly difficult to difficult to achieve but but interesting to spot examples like that from a career a, you know a different walk of life a different kind of uh, she was really an artistic photographer but to take that and and use that as inspiration in your own work I think is is great now, the world is changing so much and so quickly. What do you think work for, women, work for women might be like in 10 years time, both in media and journalism and across all industries? Well, I really hope that we have made some progress, some more progress. We've made a lot of progress already, but some more progress in treating women equally. And in fact, in diversity generally, diversity of race and ethnicity, but diversity in terms of class. Um, I think a lot of modern workplaces have quite a long way to go on all of those fronts um, and really treating people as individuals and understanding what they can contribute fairly. So I hope we've made some progress. I hope women are paid the same 
as men, for example. Um, I hope that there's understanding about the different kinds of priorities people might have in their life. So I've recently returned from having my second baby. So I, I had a baby back in January, um, a pandemic baby, and I've come back into the workplace. And that does, of course, present slightly different demands on your life. Um, but it's not just women having children. It's people with elderly parents. It's everybody right, has a life outside of the office. And I think the more modern workplaces can deal with that in ways that are practical and understanding and sympathetic, but um, deal with some of the issues that come up for people as they go through different points in their life, then uh, that's all to the good. So I really hope that the workplaces in, in the future will be able to have those kind of conversations about what somebody needs as other parts of their life change and how they can best perform in their job alongside balancing other things in their life. And that becomes a much more normal, easy to have conversation rather than feeling like you're asking for any kind of exceptional treatment. Um, that's not to say I think we reach a point where everybody can just work in whatever way they like, because you've obviously got to build teams in organizations that really function and meet we have a duty as journalists to our readers and to make sure that they are served with excellent journalism. Um, but I think there are ways of better balancing that and and for workplaces to to find ways of being more flexible. That has come in a long way in my yeah. career, but I think I think there's some way to go. Well, I, I definitely agree with you. We've gone far. Maybe need to go a bit further, but we're doing OK at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely made progress. I think there's um, and actually one thing I remember finding very surprising when I first came into journalism and the workplace in general and realising that there were still issues that were very outdated about the roles of men and women and men and women weren't treated the same. And I found that really surprising because I'd come from schools where generally the boys and the girls were treated the same and I had sort of imagined that sexism and feminism were issues for a previous generation or maybe even a generation before that you know hadn't my parents figured that all out um, but actually when I entered the workplace I discovered yeah. pretty quickly that that wasn't the case um, and I think there are still some some ways in which women are not treated the same as men um, but hopefully we can keep keep on pushing and keep on making the case and now and there are plenty of men who are also pushing for this um and we can we can treat everybody as individuals with contribution to make rather than differently because of their gender or their race or their class well i really enjoyed chatting with you today kate thank you so much and i'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their careers Keep listening to the new season of the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. Thank you to our sponsors, Haynes Watts, Levi Strauss, Swinton Insurance and Talk Talk for their amazing and continued support.